Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are, where you're, whatever you're watching from. We're so glad that you're here today. Hopefully, you're gonna have a great day with us because we have such great information. We are gonna be talking about the video viewer study for 2021 with Dr. Jane Bozarth. We're gonna introduce her in just a second. Before we do that, though, let me just say, if you didn't know, Tuesday was a big day because Snagit 2022 was just launched. So if you've got Snagit 2021 or some older version, there's a new version. You can go check out all its new great features. It's available now for download. You can try it alongside your current version. And there's some cool stuff in there, like, you know, cloud libraries. If you've got multiple machines, you wanna make sure you share your library with picture in picture, better, more stable video and audio in the video side of things, and more, of course. So with that said, though, that's supplemental. Let's get on with our show today. So first off, let me introduce our guest. Today's guest is Dr. Jane Bozarth, who is the Director of Research for the Learning Guild. She's a veteran classroom trainer who transitioned to e-learning in the late 90s and never looked back. In her previous job as leader of the state of North Carolina's award-winning e-learning program, Jane specialized in finding low-cost ways of providing online training solutions. She is the author of several books, including e-learning solutions on a shoestring, social media for trainers, and show your work, the payoffs, and how-tos of working out loud. Jane holds a master's degree in technology-based training and a doctorate in training and development, and she's the author of this year's video viewer study. So with that said, Jane, welcome to the Visual Lounge. Hi, thanks for having me. This was a great project, so I'm, I'm glad we're able to chat about it a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. So we're going to drop the link to the 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 actual study so everyone can go and read it in its fullness because there's probably way more data than we can talk about. But before we, we get into talking about the data, Jane, obviously bios are bios, you know, they've got lots of fun nuggets in there. Anything else we should know about you before we get started? Um, everything I talk about in terms of what I like with video or don't like with video or have done or not done with video seems to fall into the context of me teaching myself ukulele six years ago <laughs> using YouTube videos. And I, I have found in conversation, I talk about that maybe more than I should, but I'll, I'll try to hold back a little today. And that can guarantee that there will probably be a question later about ukuleles. <laughs> so, okay. and, and we've got, I've got the, uh, the, the presentation up, we can share any kind of pages we want from it. To, but where I wanted to start is let's, before we again kind of dive in, let's start broad here as we usually do on the show. Uh, you know, when we look at studies like this, you're as a researcher, what are things that you kind of look for in any, going into any research? Let's set the stage for kind of understanding this from a contextual standpoint. Well, you know, usually when we do something like this, I get a spreadsheet, I get a whole lot of Excel data. Um, I tend to do a quick scan just to see where people are leaning. And in this case, you know, what, what leapt out right away is I think we hit 96% of all the respondents were using some kind of video in their work, um, which is amazing because it kind of puts us at a place, well, well, then where do we go from here? <laughs> um, but but I, I love to see what the, big, what the big sort of overview is. I try to get a big picture. And then I go back to scan to look for whether there are any patterns where there seems to be any um, any real huge areas of agreement, or sometimes whether there's a surprise. Sometimes I am expecting to see something I don't, I wasn't anticipating. I mean, I expect to see certain things and then suddenly there's, there's an anomaly. And it's important, I think, when you're, when you're looking over, when you're looking, scanning through that initial take of the research, you know, to keep an open mind because there may be something there you were expecting that's not, there may be something that you weren't expecting that is. So, so looking for that. And I, you know, I, I know people love the quantitative data. I, I get that. And I do too, but I really find um, open text answers interesting. And I do spend a good deal of time scanning those. I don't necessarily start out coding everything. I just sort of look through to see what pops up time and time and time again. And um, I often find interesting things there. Yeah, for sure. So, as we dig into, we want to dig into the, the actual research for the video viewer study. For those that don't know, I'll just set context that we've run this study multiple times. Uh, this year, we, we invited Dr. Bozarth to, to join us uh, and to, to be the research author and to look through all the data and take a little bit of TechSmith out of it. So, you know, we want to get rid of some of our biases because I've got plenty of biases. If we want to, about video, I'm sure that's all day long. So from a, from a methodology standpoint, we don't need to go into it too deep, but anything that we should know about this particular study uh, in terms of validity and how you felt about it? Well, we had um, upward close to a thousand respondents and they were from, I believe, six markets. So we went international. 
Uh, I found the difference. I, I have to say, you, you all had done that as the methodology in the past. And I was like, well, what difference does it make? People in France aren't going to be that different from people in Germany. But they were. So there, again, is something that you have to be open to surprises about. So I, I thought it was interesting to see the difference in the markets. The, the U.S., I have something to say about it if we get to it. Um, but otherwise, with the methodology, no, it was very straightforward. I mean, we had we, we vetted the questions. We, re, we tried to reuse historically the questions that we'd used in the past. We made a few tweaks. I think we added a thing or two. But otherwise, you know, we were trying to get some longitudinal data. And, and I believe it was fairly straightforward. I don't recall sometimes after the fact you realize there was a problem with the question or the wording was confusing. I don't think we hit any of that with this one that it's been actually, it's been a few months since I looked at it, but I, the data, but I I don't recall anything like that. Yeah. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me just actually pull up the, the first page on the, one of the pages here, digging into the data. We've got this, this first question, which I thought was interesting. Uh, It's about people. And and I I think we should preference. This is a lot about people's preferences, this whole study. Yes. Yes. Uh, preferences. So that doesn't mean, you know, people, what they self-report versus what they do can be different. We, we recognize that. Um, but this one was interesting. This is how people prefer to consume instructional and informational content. Um, and in the study, you'll see how we define instructional and informational, but like, what, what should we make of this? Because a lot more people, like they could choose more than one modality. They could choose audio or text. They could choose both or video. Uh, but this is not learning styles, uh, which I want to make sure we're clear about. So what what should we take away from this? There, well, we won't go off. Boy, we could go on a tangent about that, couldn't we? <laughs> well, you know, video is a combination of a number of things. I mean, it combines visuals with audio most of the time or with narration most of the time. So I think it gives people um, kind of both worlds view if they if they want to have that. Um, to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't categorize myself as having a particular preference or other, but I do notice I don't listen to very many podcasts compared to my friends that are just audio only podcasts, um, even in the car and stuff. So I, I do think we've become a video consuming society. I think that we certainly see with the popularity of tools like YouTube and now TikTok that that video is so easy to create and it's so accessible um, and is less work than reading, than reading. I just, you know, I think it's just obvious people are, are leaning into that uh, increasingly as time goes by. Yeah. So I think what we're going to do, Jane, we're going to, I want to, we've got a couple questions in the survey we're going to go through, but I want to, I want to involve the audience, which this is new for us. So we're going to try this out. If it doesn't work, we'll never, we don't ever have to do it again. So I'm going to take a, a page literally out of your book. We're going to work out loud here for a minute and we're going to try, uh, this polling survey here. Uh, All right. And so. I want, I want to, uh, let me interrupt you. I'm sorry. Let me tell you, I have a copy of the report open on my iPad at my left hand. So if I'm looking over here, I'm not looking at a kitten or something. I actually, although the kitten would be it may look like I'm looking away, but it's easier for me to have it at eye level. So there's a, I do have a copy of the report. Should that's I need perfect. It? If okay. it was a kitten, we wouldn't blame you. Uh, we have had a cat appear on the show once before and uh, <laughs> Random time. So if anyone's joining us, this is just our, our, our go ahead and you can scan the QR code or go to slido.com and insert that number. This is just our get you warmed up question. So if you're listening to the podcast after this, you know, I'm sorry, the, or you're watching later, it's not going to be open, but go ahead and, uh, you know, we ha- it, there is a delay, Jane. So we're going to be dealing with like a little bit of extra time here to get people in here. So just go ahead Answer any question. This is this is a throwaway one. This is not the important one. This is just so you get to practice putting something in. If you go out to Slido 866-778, that's slido.com, or you pick up your camera, you can just uh, scan the QR code, which which is nice as well. So, and we'll see if anyone well, joins in. While we're waiting, why don't you tell me, because I have seen it. I haven't done much with it yet. What are some of the new features in Snagit 22? Are you prepared to answer that while we're... Yeah, well, one of the, the big ones is more control over the, if you're doing picture, you want picture in picture, you can control mm-hmm. the actual picture more than just either big or not. <laughs> so you can actually have it in the corners if you want. And then the real big one is if you have multiple machines, you can have a cloud library. So, and it works with like your Dropbox oh, or nice, Box. Nice. So now you don't have to, uh, you know, try to like transfer them over. You can just save it to the cloud and that can work across multiple devices. Oh, I like awesome. that a lot. Yeah, I tend to, I'm like, oh, I need to get to my computer because I need to snag it for something. I need to find some. That's good. That, that's good. That's useful. So it looks like yeah. we're getting some answers in. Camtasia is winning yeah. at the moment. Camtasia by seven leads, seven links. 
Perfect. Well, that's good. Everyone's got the idea. We're going to go to our next question, though, because that's a real question I want to ask before we jump in uh, is, let me just move ahead here. Let's see if it's going to do it. How often do people watch, so meaning you, uh, how often do you watch instructional or informational videos? Think about instructional videos, you know, informational videos. How often are you watching them? You're doing it 10 times or more, five to nine, two to four, once a week. And mm -hmm. uh, if I scroll down, there's less than once a month at the bottom. So, and it would be interesting because our audience, you would think, uh, probably watches, uh, if you're using Camtasia or Snagit, you might be watching more video than the normal. Looking pretty even here. Uh, two to four times is jumping ahead at 33%. We'll give it just a, a few more seconds here. So this is a question, Jane. We're going we're gonna to talk about the, the, the real results in this, the, the presentation or in the, the survey. I can't speak. I can't. What's the word? The the research. That's that's the word today. I research. Know, I was trying to help you, but I, I didn't know what you were trying to get to. So yes, so, research. So, yes. So this is this is one thing that came up, and so I'll leave that open for just a second. Although I'm going to switch to uh, I'm just going to we so 28 percent two to four more two to four times per week. If we look at the actual research, though, seems like I've got to get out of here. Here we go. You can see. It's right here. And that's actually the most common result in our research as well. Any any thoughts about frequency? Again, I think maybe it speaks to how popular video is as a uh, culture society. What, for me? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves, but I think when we talk about why people watch them, that informs how often. And I think particularly if you're talking about, some, for instance, home repair, if today is the day something breaks, then I'm probably going to look at a lot more this week than before. I mean, if I have a need to learn about a product or something, I would probably watch more driven by that. I mean, I don't know that I get up in the morning thinking, gee, today is the day I'll watch three instructional or informational videos, right? I mean, I think it's situational. It's kind of driven by what you've got, got going on and what you're needing to do. But I, I'm afraid we're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't want to to no. kind of spill we, we're good about. to jump around Jane if you want to jump okay. to something let's talk about it because you're you you spent more time in the data than anyone else and so you well, you saw the the patterns of things so what what do you want to talk about with this well, well what we saw was that the reason people watched and I thought this was really interesting over overall the reason people watch regardless of market or other situation was that they they were trying to learn something specific about their job or about their work or about how to execute a task. Um, I keep using home examples, and I don't mean to do that, uh, but, but it's what's coming out of my mouth today. But um, you know, we, we see that, that people, it's not like they're just sitting around all day clicking on YouTube links or going from thing to thing to thing. They're looking generally for a specific um, something for a specific reason. And, and a lot of times it's they want to get better at what they're doing. So, and I think that's great. Well, let's, I, I, I think I found that there was this question in here. Why do you, uh, you know, mm -hmm. essentially, why do people choose a particular video? So we asked them to think mm -hmm. about a video, instructional, informational. Um, and that goes to right, just what you said, right? The description matched what they wanted to learn. They had a need. Uh, but I think number two was as equally as interesting. I was required to watch it. <laughs> they, they were, they were, you're forced to watch it, right? And that happens in a lot of learning scenarios in corporations and businesses and organizations. Um, so for, from this, what, what can we do with this information? If, if the reason people well, are watching it, what do we do? Well, I think one thing that's important is that they were able to choose multiple items there. So yes, it's true that they, they said that they, I need to, I need to see that again. Bring it back up. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. There you go. Um, that they look at the next three though. They, they were required to watch it, but also they watched it because they liked the title and because the length was acceptable, <laughs> you know, so maybe they were required, but they also had parameters for what, what they were willing to do or what they're willing to put up with. I do think the takeaway though from this, and I don't want it to get lost is that titles matter and descriptions matter. I could say more about this later, but but overall, the question is always, how long should a video be? How long should my videos be? Should my videos be two minutes? Should they be seven minutes? Is three minutes too long? And really, that, that was not the most important thing to the viewers. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. Um, I, you know, as far as I was required to watch it, I don't know, later in the survey, they didn't indicate that that was necessarily a terrible thing and that they were made miserable by it. 
Um, but I, I do think when you start talking about for those who are creators and interested in what gets people to watch and keep watching, I do think it's really important to keep in mind that that your title matters and your descriptions matter and to spend some time thinking about that and not always just about uh, the length of something. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know we, we did in the, in the research, the report, there's, there's definitely some nice tips. And I loved, I think you added this one specifically is what if you had to pay a thousand dollars per word for your title, mm -hmm. right? How do you make yeah. it count? Right. Um, so a question that came but, in, I think, but, it, oh, go ahead, Jane. Go ahead. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to say, can you go back to the slide about why people watch? There was something else I just, I wanted to, um, why they choose a particular video. And I do some work with people like little workshops on how to read research, how to vet research, how to make decisions about what you're looking at. And we talk about things like sample size and the quality of information. And one of the questions I ask is when you, when you look at a video, like how to play intro to stairway to heaven on your ukulele, there's probably a thousand hits for that. How do you choose the two or three you want to look at? And sometimes people will say things like, well, I look at the number of hits and that may be great, but it, that also may indicate it's just the oldest video, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, looking, looking at how you choose what you choose, I worry sometimes people pick a video and they're picking, maybe pick a bad one and it gives a bad taste about the topic or about the, the thing that they're watching just because it happened to, to hit the top of the search. So, you know, just thinking about what it is that people will find appealing, thinking about if you're the creator, when, you, when we talk about titles and descriptions, also think about keywords. What words are they searching for? Because mm -hmm. they may be different than the words you would be searching for, right? What are your viewers looking for when they're looking for videos on the topic that you do? And try their search terms and see what comes up because you might be surprised. I think that's all I had to say about that. No, that's 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 a, a great reminder because, uh, I mean, search terms generally, right? Not just for if you're going to YouTube, but even internally, people are looking for things. And so you want to make it as easy as possible for people to find the right things. We, we did have a question come up about who participated in the survey. Uh, and I think that's important that we just kind of review. Yeah, come I think it's in here, right? So... So uh, Chrissy had asked this question, and I think it's important. We, 20, 20 different professions, professional fields, including healthcare services, retail, manufacturing, software development, and finance. Now, these were, not these were probably not TechSmith customers. Uh, that was not a criteria, and we did not, TechSmith did not, you, it was not our customer base. We had a, another uh, independent consulting agency, Qualtrics, actually find the participants. So uh, very, very different than us going and asking our customer base. What, right. what and again, think. we we were interested in viewer habits, not creator habits, right? We were interested in yeah. what what people out in the world, when they were asked about video, what they were saying they were watching and interested them, and why they stayed or left. So, <clears throat> so hopefully, Christy, that answers the question a little bit about who we were talking to, and you can see some of the other details there in the the research itself. Okay, so let's uh, we talked a little bit about how often. Um, you know, I, I think I want to get into some of the meteor stuff with you, Jane, just because I think that's where okay. you're going to, we're going to have more things to talk about. Yeah. There's lots of great stuff here, but we talked about titles, descriptions. Um, you know, there's some examples of thumbnails in there as well. I'm going to bring up another poll because I want to get people's preferences and ideas on video length here. So give me one second to get that going. But I think, you know, that's a, a question we get asked all the time about video length. And I, I know you've got some thoughts about video length. Um, that I think are worth worth probably talking about, Jane, as well. So, but let's bring up that same same Slido.com, same number eight six six seven seven eight, or just scan the QR code. How long do you prefer your instructional or informational videos to be? I, I'm going to ask you, Jane. Just do you? Uh, well, it might be too leading a question, but do you have a preference? Is there a sweet spot for video length for you? Uh, it depends on what I'm looking for. The other day, for instance, at home, I bought our first inflatable yard decoration and I'd never dealt with those before. And so I did do, um, I did go looking on YouTube to see what was, what that involved and what I needed to know about tethering is important. As it turns out, I had no idea that was the thing that mattered. Um, and I would say I, for that, I looked for things that were fairly short, probably less than, than four minutes. Cause I figured if it was longer than that, it was probably more than I was ever going to pay attention to. <laughs> So if, that, if it's a music thing, it's, you know, about the same. It depends on the, the song. You know, I've been working on the solo for Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, and those are fairly long tutorials. 
Um, but if I'm if I'm looking for something quick, and I, this happens to me about twice a year, how to do pivot tables in Excel, I I never I don't do it often enough to remember it, and I find it needlessly complicated for me. Um, most of those would probably be a little a little longer, more like seven minutes or so. So I mm-hmm. I would say it it depends. My choice isn't always driven by the link. That's not the first thing I'm looking for. Um, and again, you said it's okay to skip around, so I'm going to go ahead and say this. What we found was that when people stopped watching a video, it was not necessarily because it was too long or it was too boring or whatever. It was that they got what they needed and they left. I mean, they just, okay, that's what was the answer I was looking for. That's how to do the pivot table I want to do. And they would click out and, you know, we can discuss later whether or not that's a bad thing. I think the people who create it would probably not be happy, but if you've solved someone's problem, you know, and if they have the, the control to, to, um, scrub along or to opt out or to speed up or something, I, you know, I think isn't, isn't that really our goal is to get them to, to watch what they need. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, here we are. We're at, we're with, we've got 15 responses so far. Three to four minutes is taking the lead with 47% of the people selecting that, then five to six, and then we get really short. 7% equally as the one to two minutes is 40 to 60 minutes. Um, no one selecting our 10 to 19. Now we're a small sample size here on the, on the podcast, but, uh, let's look at the actual results. Cause thank you everyone for who has participated so far. So I think we'll see a few differences, right? I got to get back to my screen here so we can see, we actually see quite a few at that three to four minutes and five to six. Uh, and then another at 10 to 19, which was not selected by anybody here in our audience thus far. Um, so I, I think my takeaway from what you, you said, Jane, and looking at this is that it all depends. Lincoln, it doesn't matter <laughs> so much. I think, I think, you know, I think it's probably um, when we, when I mentioned the thing of dropout, there are other things that cause dropout that probably we ought to pay attention to, but if people are getting what they need, I think that's the answer. But I would like to point to the highest level there, the 40 to 60 minutes. Um, or the, or let's go to the 29, between 29 to up to the 40 minutes. We don't know for sure. My guess is that that might be an academic class, maybe a lecture recording that that's going to be the length of the thing. It's not that they choose it, that it's three minutes long. I said, if the presser's talking about Chaucer, then it's probably not going to be a three, <laughs> three minute video. Right. Um, and it wasn't that it was necessarily a bad thing, but you know, a lot of, a lot of companies during COVID started, um, you know, rec- doing a lot of webinars, recording those webinars, delivering those as a standalone video, as this, the recording of this will be that way. You know, you won't be able to engage with the quizzes. You won't be able to talk live with the people, but they, that would still be a video and it's not going to be four minutes long, right? People may scrub along to the question they want to hear about. But, um, but you know, again, length may depend. Uh, it's contextual. You know, if it's a college class or, a, or an hour long organizational HR webinar kind of thing, it's going to be 45, 50, 60 minutes, if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky, right. it won't go longer longer than an hour. Well, I know that uh, we every year we have several different trainings we have to do, like compliance trainings we have to do, and they, yep. you know, yep. 20, 30 minutes kind of total. They're broken up. They're not just one long video. I'm also in a, a leadership class right now, and that's four hours on Zoom. You know, so length really is dependent. But one right. thing I actually, I want to talk about this this particular piece of data, Jane, because to me, this yeah. was fascinating. And it took me a little bit to get my head around what I was seeing and how to make sense of it. Could you could you walk us through this graph? Because uh, I think there's great information here. Do you remember it? <laughs> uh, I read over it yesterday. I don't know that I was prepared to offer a, a video about it. Um, you know, I think, again, we've got the people who had to watch something. And I think that's one group. Okay. But, you know, the others are saying I had an immediate need or I wanted to learn something about a specific part of my job. And I I do think that's important that people are self-directed in that way, that people are seeking out stuff that they want that will help them do better. I I worry sometimes I think this is shifting a little not to get all into what's going on with the great resignation right now. But I think it's it's shifting right now to the idea that, that workers have very definite needs and that they're willing to work and that they're not willing to do certain things. So, you know, the fact that that so many of our respondents were um, interested in doing their jobs better, were interested specifically in learning something or, or wanting to solve a problem that they um you know, we wanted to learn more about the topic that, that was from driven by curiosity. 
Um, the yellow is awfully bright and I know it can be distracting, but it wasn't just that they had to watch it. Lots of people watch videos for lots of other reasons. Yeah, that's, I think my takeaway from this too, it's so interesting, especially the longer videos to see, like, I was interested in learning more about like the kind of type of things they were going after. It wasn't just, I was trying to solve an immediate problem, um, or specific thing there, like generally they're broadening to me, I'm interpreting here, but it seemed like they wanted to do more or they wanted to go deeper or they wanted to have kind of more to it than just I had to do it or I was just doing something immediate. Like when a home home appliance breaks, right? I go looking for a thing and I want it to be short. I want it to be fast because I want to fix the problem. But I, I will use my 10-year-old as an example. And he might He's not in the survey at all. He, his demographic didn't show up, but he loves sitting down and learning about animals and going, watching a TED talk that's 20 minutes or, you know, watching a video that's 20 minutes about, you know, he'll, he'll go much longer because he's genuinely interested in, right. in, in this topic. So I think there's something to this that it, maybe think about what your audience is and what are, what are they trying to accomplish? You know, yeah. are they, are you um, trying to teach them or something general, more broad, bigger, or like very right. specific? Um, I do think I wandered off topic a bit with this because I was smitten with the other categories. But I will say, if you look at the title, I don't think it's any surprise that when you when you make people watch stuff, they'd rather it be short. I don't really think that there's anything not intuitive in there. And I think that also, um, you know, I wrestled with this for many years when I was a classroom trainer, when I was doing e-learning, organizational e-learning. You know, the the powers that be love the word mandatory because they feel that it makes it seem important and um, it'll cover us legally and yada, yada, yada. And often the employees took that to mean, well, here's one more horrible thing they're making me do because it's so bad I wouldn't do it otherwise. When you should be able to see from the rest of the data here, if it's interesting and they feel it's relevant and helpful, they they will watch it and they will watch it longer. Um, but it's this this mandatory, you know, compulsory kind of uh, thing about it, I think, that drives people to roll their eyes and think, well, I'll just find the shortest possible version of this. And I hope there's a scroll bar, right? <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I can play it at five, 1.5 times speed or two times right. speed to get through it. Right. right. Okay. So let's, uh, you know, a little bit more about video links. Uh, we, you, I want to go back to, you talked about uh, people start, I think we talked about why people start watching, right? Or was it, mm -hmm. let's, no, it's a stop watching. So I'm going to, I'm going to scroll down here. So like, again, we're just cool jumping around here. So let's look at the data for that because I think it's, you brought up some interesting and important things that people stop watching videos for lots of reasons. You know, it's not just that, uh, you know, there's not necessarily one reason, but I think your point, the number one reason was they've received the information that was needed. And so how do we, how do we reconcile this chain of, of organizations who like, they like mandatory, they like control. It's hard for them to let go versus we trust, uh, we want to trust our employees to be able to do what's right. So is there, is there a good way to take this and balance that out that even on required stuff we can get, if they get what they needed, we can be good with it. Well, you mentioned a, just just a minute ago, maybe having the videos for a compliance topic, not a whole hour long, but broken into four pieces or something like that. You can have novice and more expert models. You could have steps over a period of time. You know, the problem with compliance is that very often those topics, management doesn't like it when I say this. I'm sorry. I was in HR for 15 years. Um, very often the compliance stuff isn't going to make you help you do your job better. It isn't really job related. It isn't really task or performance related. It's stuff like don't drink the bleach and don't fall off the ladder and don't, you know, and don't harass each other. Can, <laughs> um, I, can know, I drink the bleach if I'm falling off the ladder? Is that okay? You know, and I, I make a joke about that. I didn't mean to make, make that particular joke. When I was first with state government, they didn't really know what to do with me. Can you imagine? And they sat me in a room with a big policy manual for like days. And there was this nine page policy on hazardous chemicals. And my takeaway was, well, don't, don't drink. <laughs> if that's what they meant for me to learn, I remembered it all these years later, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, trying to make it something that they want to watch, trying to find an angle that will help them be successful. One of my favorite examples of this, I don't know if I, how it would relate to video, but we had a terrible time. I was working in a hospital. We had a terrible time getting staff to show up for their first aid and CPR recertifications. Um, for one thing, most of the staff never used those skills because we had nurses on site all the time. And so the regular day-to-day -day staff didn't ever do those things. And finally, we added infant and child CPR at the end of the day 
for free as a tag on. And all of a sudden, everybody wanted CPR and first aid certification. So, you know, figuring out what it is that will be appealing to the learner or help the help the person or help fulfill that. But another conversation we were having right before we started today about length, I was using the example of a face-to-face software training class, which I think many of us have probably experienced in our lives. And I, I was using the example of being in an eight-hour, a day-long Excel, intro to Excel or something. Um, suppose I'm there to understand more about pivot tables, and they cover that at 11 o'clock. Why can't I just leave? Why do I have to stay for five more hours of things that don't interest me that I'm not ever going to use? So, you know, for one thing, I think figuring out what it is the audience really wants and needs and figuring out how to make your content fit better with that and their expectations would be helpful. Yeah. Well, I, I love that, that line of thinking, right? Like we can, we figure out the things that are, are relevant and, and helpful and then give some choice there. Uh, right. Cause I've, I've, th- I've thought about that a lot, that relevance, relevancy is so important and whether it's, uh, uh, I don't know if we go to Maslow or whatever you're, you're, you know, is it going to make me more money? Is it going to keep me, is it going to keep me alive? Is it going right. to make me less right. pain at whatever job I'm doing, whatever it right. might be. Uh, so definitely good stuff. Now, yeah. I, I, question I have though with, with this, we see some other things on here. Obviously that's a big one, but um, to me, the 17%, I wasn't getting the information I expected um, or it didn't cover the right topic goes back yeah. to what you're talking about a little bit, um, about the, the title description, the things that get people to start watching, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation about this today. I don't know who your audience is for this today who will watch recording and I don't want to be stepping on any toes, but th- there are sometimes challenges with the way marketing folk market stuff or they, you yep. know, here's, here's 10 ways to make your life perfect. And here's three ways to build a team in less than 14 minutes. And here's everything you ever needed to know about ladder safety. And it, I, you know, I think sometimes the attractive title may over promise. And then you get two minutes in and this isn't at all what they said that was going to be covered. This isn't at all what they said they were going to get to. I mean, I think we need to, to strike a balance. Yes. Between a descriptive, entertaining, engaging, interesting, attractive title and just telling the truth. You know, I don't know that I can make fire extinguisher safety, but so exciting <laughs> and life changing. Um, but the day you need to use a fire extinguisher is a useful skill. But uh, but but, you know, I, I I don't know. A friend of mine, but the response in that conversation this morning was, but it sells stuff, Jane. And I said, but at some point, does it stop selling stuff? At some point, do people say, oh, I've seen their stuff before and they never say what they never do, what they're going to pro- you know, promise. I don't know if there's a shelf life for that, if it runs out. But, you know, I I think informative, and this is exactly what we're going to cover. For instance, you'd be surprised at how few videos are actually how to do pivot tables in Excel, which is the thing I'm after. Um, They're all, they're other than how to do cool, interesting tables, how to format everything, how to, you know, if they would just use the word pivot in the title, it would be (laughs) helpful for me. Or to your other point, they've made a long video about how to use Excel and maybe or maybe not, they're covering pivot, right? right. And I can't, I don't know, and I can't find it. So I think descriptive, clear titles about what's covered uh, are very helpful for the for the user. And you know, a user who finds your stuff and really likes it bookmarks that, and they will probably come back to you for other stuff if you do a good job with that. I know, I know, I did. I can certainly say that for the ukulele stuff. So you know. Yeah, for, for for sure. The one other thing I'll make just a comment on here, Jane, is that, I, that always gets me is like, I was bored. It wasn't interesting. That's that's a them problem, I think. And uh, well, I'm not in the office. I was distracted. Like, unfortunately, as a video creator, I don't know if there's much. I, maybe I can help them with the board a little bit, but I can't help them from being distracted, I don't think. You know, it's funny. You took this as just a general I was home and bored. I took this as a COVID thing. I took okay. this as as we've got all these people suddenly working remotely. And if you'll notice, when people say they stop watching, the green one is I got distracted by my work. So I'm at the office and I got distracted by stuff. The gray one is I'm not working in the office and I'm getting distracted at home was much less than the people who said they were getting distracted at work. Right. So even with, even with kittens dancing in the office at home, 
People said it was just there. And I think those of us who have worked in two places, if we've never worked in a traditional office and at home, everyone will attest to the fact that it's much, you're much more able to focus it at home than you are generally in an office setting. So I just thought, I thought that was interesting that it was, um, you know, so much more green than gray there. Yeah. Well, the, uh, our, our found the founder of TechSmith, his, uh, his wife, she's been in the HR space for a really long time and she would do some trainings. I, she, I was, I always remember she said, she's like, I'm never distracted by laundry when I'm working at home. Right. <laughs> like right. it's not, it's right. not the pull. It's not, the, Oh, I, I got to go do laundry right now. Sorry. No, it's not the, the thing I'm interested in. Knock on my door and want to just hang out because they don't have anything to do for the next 15 minutes. Right. Right. Um, but, but I also, you know, when I said I thought about COVID, I was also thinking about how many people were suddenly working from home who had children at home or were trying to also homeschool, who had a lot of other things going on. But apparently even that's not as bad as being <laughs> at the office. At the office, I don't know. It's what they said. Yeah, So for for sure. Uh, I especially, especially like people who are required to watch things are then interrupted by the work people that said they had to watch the video. <laughs> the video. <laughs> Ah. Well, well, Jane, I want to I want to go on since we've talked about stopping. Let's talk about keeping them watching because I think that's another uh, interesting area. You know, it's one thing if you can convince someone to start, that's a good thing. Uh, if we want to, obviously, we want to give them the information they need, but there's things about keeping them watching as well. So here's that. Uh, here's the data here for for this one. This was please select all video elements that keep you interested in watching an instructional or informational video. I love the first two because it's things that we've we've talked about already talked about just kind of naturally. Uh, it's easy to follow along and it's relatable and current. I mean, seems like those are key key for instructions, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I see, and, and now I'm speaking to sort of homemade videos, homemade like how how to do how, do it yourself kind of stuff. Um, I find that those are often off the cuff and unrehearsed. And sometimes that works against them. You know, mm -hmm. if people would just think through organizing their steps, organizing their thoughts before they started, um, watching somebody who has not set something up in a logical way to follow, and this may happen at the office too. It's like watching somebody who's not good at telling a joke. You know, they, well, there were these two guys, oh, wait a minute. One of the guys was a snowman. Oh, wait, did I, did I tell you about the, did I mention the, the truck? You know, they, they, how'd you know my I, joke, I had, Jane? You know, I, I mean, had this the other day, actually, the power went out and that afternoon I had to reset the the clock on the oven, which was, I have a, I have a doctorate and I, I couldn't do it. So I looked on YouTube and there was this guy who fumbled through it for like 10 minutes. It kept going back. Oh, wait, it didn't, it didn't. So, you know, just rehearsing and having it set up so you can follow it is not that hard to do. That is something pretty easily within the control of the creator, but people can't keep keep up with the jumping around and the, and the lack of logic. Um, I'm also interested because of my, you know, because of my background, I think in the third item where the, the presenter's not very engaging or not very, very knowledgeable is, is one of the reasons people, people leave. And I think that's what happens is they're not really prepared. They didn't really rehearse it. They're jumping all over the place and it, it tends to detract, I think, from trying to stick with it. People like we've already established want to watch the videos. They want to get better at what they're doing or learn more about a topic. So, you know, these are all things that are fairly easy for us to um, to control. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think a lot about, uh, you know, just now in the world where, you know, you're, we are used to be on camera, like you have to develop a presence, right? Like you can't just be okay with whatever you, you like, you have to work on it. And I, I wonder, you know, if those skills are, are actually being developed or people are just right. winging it like many other things because that's what you've been forced to do. But Right. Well, and, and, you know, some things that we found, you know, the thing about the presentation quality, you know, the complaints in the, in the qualitative comments, the complaints were things like it took them way too long to get to the point. They had all of this intro stuff. They wouldn't just get to what they said they were going to cover or um, there, there was too much extraneous info. They had not called it down to really what people needed to know that they were trying to include everything. They were too knowledgeable, maybe the curse of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to cover, um, you know, kind of everything in the, in the whole world. So those kinds of things uh, can matter too. And I lost a thought I was having about presentation quality. I'll, it'll come back to me, I'm sure. But um, I made well, some notes. I won't see it now. Well, while you're while you're recapping and 
rethinking of maybe that that one will come up. I want to talk about, can we talk about this one topic is presented in a humorous, unique way? Because that feels like that is from a learning and, and information standpoint, that, that one is one that kind of like a good joke teller, right? Some people have that skill. Some people definitely don't. Yeah. And, and yeah. what what role should people who are making videos that are focused on instruction and information, how much of that should they care about? Like, is, is that something we should be striving for? Or is that something like, yeah, it's nice if you can do it, but it's like yeah, everything I else. You can throw it out if you need true. to. You know, that's true with presentations too. You know, you know if you're funny or not. You know whether stuff is funny or not. The problem is, you know, when you're talking about video, particularly if it's for maybe you're selling a product or you're offering a general DIY kind of thing, if you're designing for a an undefined audience, like you're throwing this thing on YouTube and anybody could watch it, you know, humor is very specific to people. What people find funny and what they find um, amusing can really vary. I was in a conversation the other day with friends of mine. We were talking about our favorite comedians and somebody I love, someone else found very offensive and someone I didn't think a thing about said, well, all he does is talk about drinking, which I never actually noticed till I guess he does. <laughs> so, you know, kind of, kind of knowing what you're doing. And I think that the content matters. I think it's fine to make it light and happy and engaging, but some of us deal with things like human trafficking or things like medical, you know, life resuscitation skill. You know, we have to be kind of careful when we choose the funny. Not not all of our content is that way. My thought I lost came back to me. There's one of those items on the list talks about being relatable and current. And I think that's really important. You need to be able, you need to remember to check your videos maybe every December and see if they're still relevant and current, particularly if it's on things like versions of the software. Because stuff changes really fast. You know, I was looking for something the other day about a, a setting on my iPhone and none of the videos were telling me which version of iPhone. Well, iOS changes a lot in seven years, right? So, you know, trying to figure out which one was relevant to me, I had to kind of go by the date. And even then it wasn't always a good guess. So, you know, putting in the title or somewhere really clearly which version of things you're talking about or what date you made um, a video uh, can can matter a whole lot because people are looking for the more recent information if if information has changed. Yeah, I mean, we, we just experienced that, right? Like we're, we had to go through all of our content for Snagit with a new release, making sure everything mm -hmm. is updated, everything is relevant. And, and not every video changes every time we do a release because right. maybe that we don't touch it, but you have to make sure it's like clear yeah. that it's associated with, yeah, that works for the 2021 as well as the new 2022 version, right? right. So that's, right. A, that's a really great point and a great idea to do, you know, that, that system audit, you know, check, check out your stuff. Uh, right. I will, and, you know, oh, go ahead. But to a, point, to a point where you made, you know, the shorter the video, the easier that's going to be to update. If something changes, you don't have to reshoot a 30 minute video as opposed to a four minute one that's broken and, you know, that you've got spread across a longer module or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can take the approach that uh, people on YouTube do. They just, they recreate the video and call it 22, 2022's best whatever mm -hmm. video and it's, it's the same video it's just now right, right. 2022 so right well let let me just i'm gonna scroll through here to see i think there's one or two other things we should probably we i want to make sure we looked at well uh let's can we talk about audio and sure. some of the important style sure. characteristics we'll just bring this one up these were important style characteristics that people identified um in a rank order and audio, no surprise, and we say it on this show like almost every week, is clear audio is the most important. But anything else that stood out to you about the, these kind of items, Jane? Um, I, I think with this and with the, the video elements or the visual factors, what, what I noticed are the things that we usually pay attention to that may not matter very much and the things maybe we should pay more attention to that we haven't been spending as much time on. I mean, audio matters more than anything else, but people cared much less about, if you scroll down here, to, to things like whiteboard drawings, the hand the hand drawings. Go back up, I'm sorry. No, um, okay. They, they um, didn't care much about whether the speaker was on screen as long as the audio was clear, those kinds of things. So uh, I can't stress that enough though, especially since many of us are multitasking and maybe we're running a video and not really looking at it. If you can't hear the audio, you're kind of doomed, right? Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember other audio elements that mattered that much. You know, I could go on and on about music. People had really strong opinions about music, and often 
it's because they were they were talking about background music. It's what Tom Kuhlman, who does he works for Articulate, he does the e-learning blog. He's a great guy, great guy. Um, talk, he calls it um, audio auditory wallpaper of mm-hmm. just running music in the background for no good reason. You know, music can be really really helpful if it's used strategically. It can focus attention. It can signal that we're transitioning to another topic. Um, it can affect mood like this is more serious or this is not so serious. And it can help with memory. M- music's great for memory, but not if it's just an overlay of notes playing. So thinking about ways you can use music to support the audio as a design element, as a, as, um, it can be a really useful tool for you. Um, but not just, I found a cool song we can play the whole way through the four minutes, right? Yeah, I think I think from an audio perspective, uh, music. I've been reading a lot of. I just I try to read research reports, and you know there are various limited you know study sizes and things mm-hmm. like that. But it seems like background music usually gets pigeonholed as like from a learning standpoint, at least it causes problems, right? Because it's you know dual encoding theory. If anyone wants to nerd out on, on those types of things, that all of a sudden like you're trying to process music and audio, like a vocal narration. And it just gets difficult. Um, right. But there's another great study that I read that talked about. They did a they took a, a NPR Science Friday show, and yes. they basically had two different audiences. One of them was uh, they changed the audio so it sounded it sounded good, like you know it was like on a in the room in the studio. The same audio they took in for another group, they made it sound like it was bad audio, some crackling, some maybe it's coming through a telephone. And then they asked the the listener to give their their kind of their understanding of how intelligent this person was, how much they believed them, things like that. And it had a dramatic effect on the perception that the audience had on the, this scientist. Oh, it was yeah. same, same people, same, same show. But if it sounded bad, people actually thought the person was less intelligent. So go right. figure. <laughs> and you know, the good news is audio is not hard. Video is a lot harder to get quality shooting on than, than audio. Go into your closet at home if you have to get a hundred dollar mic. That's gotten so much better. Um, in the last few years. And now, you know, even with our phones, um, we, we're doing a whole lot better. But I do remember studies notwithstanding, at, at least one of our participants, I think this is verbatim, said the background music was boring. So okay. now you've added an element you didn't need that caused them <laughs> to leave, right? So, <laughs> you caused problems you didn't mean to. <laughs> you caused problems you didn't have to cause, right? Right. So, Jane, we, we had another question come in. Uh, it's, can we assume that if there's no audio that then would video clarity be number one or would that change the order up? So we'll go back to the here. So if we had a video with no audio, would we just assume like a clarity of the image or the video is, is the most important? Well, that's all you're left with. But I will say if you're not going to have any audio, you probably need to tell people that because they're looking for it and they're messing with their volume right horn and they're looking for their they're wondering if something's wrong i've seen that happen several times you may want to say this audio has no video before the video has no audio before you start so that they're not expecting it to be there matt you want to add to that anything to well gosh you know you know i i'm not a fan of audio list videos just hands down because they're their follow-up question they asked was uh, going to the npr example is having audio better if that audio is poor or better to exclude it I think it's really hard to watch a video that has no audio, especially if it's giving me any kind of step-by-step. And even if I have to, like, even if there's text to read it, I struggle with those. And I, I don't know if it's, I don't know, just me being maybe um, the, not the world's best reader, but like, I, I'm a decent reader. So it's like, but I struggle to keep up. I feel like it's just more taxing, more frustrating. So I, I think for my personal opinion, some audio, like even if it's not the best audio, as long as it's somewhat clear, even if it's not the greatest quality, it's just clear. Get rid of the extra noises. That's way better to me than like a video where they pop up and like, no, do this thing in text. And then they, you know, it's to me, that's really hard. Um, you know, I don't know what this is going to mean yet because I don't know the tech. I haven't, I wasn't expecting this conversation today when I should have been. I don't know if people watched Peter Jackson's Let It Be this last week about the Beatles, the three part of the Beatles. He's got ancient footage that is now crystal clear visually. It's crystal clear auditorily. I don't know what he used to clean it up. I don't know what he did to enhance it, but we may be looking at a new era of being able to not have the crackly poppy 
background that we're discussing right now. It may be we're two years away from not, that not even being a question. And I hope so. It'd be great because sometimes you do. I remember there was a great state government video one of my predecessors made. And there was this guy who was making this really wonderful, compelling speech about how it takes you a while to find your feet as a new supervisor. But one day you kind of have this, this epiphany, this perfect moment where you get things right and your team's on board and you feel like you're success. It was this really compelling, interesting thing. And he was standing out in a gale storm. Or so, I don't know. The wind was just fierce. And I'm just thinking how much more. I remember then thinking this would be so much better if we could just get get the wind noise out of it. And the guy was long gone and it was hard to reshoot. But um, it may be that if we can figure out what Peter Jackson knows, that we can get past all that in a few years. Yeah, so I actually have a, a project I did last year around this time that was uh, for uh, outside of TechSmith, and I recorded some audio, and I made a mistake, and I chose the wrong microphone when I was doing an interview. Um, like, so I had a camera, I had a microphone set up, and I chose the wrong microphone on the system, and it made it sound terrible, because it was recording basically through my laptop. And I did find a plug-in that I, I, luckily they had a free trial that I could use fully, mm -hmm. Uh, and it, it, did, it didn't it didn't make it perfect, but it definitely helped save it so I could still use it because I couldn't go back to the person and say, like, hey, can we redo this? Uh, you know, not not mm -hmm. possible. Uh, so there, I think there, we are seeing tools. And, you know, and if you haven't checked out, some of the tools even in Camtasia are pretty good about cleaning up some things. It's not right. going to fix it like Peter Jackson can. But um, I saw Garth <laughs> put a comment that said maybe some AI, you know, yes, which is amazing. Is. And uh, how awesome will that be for all of us? Right. But, you know, one one phrase we have not used in this particular conversation yet is captioning. And if you've got audio that's bad, it's not what we want. I mean, it may not be our preference, but if it's difficult to hear, at least add some captions yeah. so that people can. And we should be doing that anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be because the audio drives it. We should be adding those anyway. You know, that will help. But I think to the question of is it better to have even weak audio than none, I tend to agree with you. I think we're better trying to include as much as we can. Um, and if you're not going to, make sure you let people know, because I promise you they're trying to find the sound. They think something's wrong with their machines. It's really distracting. Um, it's like radio silence. When you hear the radio go silent, you, you assume something's the matter. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, well, Jane, this has been been aw just amazing. I, I love talking with you. I think this has been so much fun to go through this. And it's, I, you know, I look, I've looked at the study a lot in the last... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, since we went, since we finished it, I, I keep going back to it for presentations, and for, we've asked several people on the show. We bring up one of the graphs and ask them about it. Um, but before we wrap up today, and thank you again for all any anything sure. people should be looking forward to from you. Any, um, anything you've got coming out? We um, this this report for you was um, viewer habits. It was what people watch, how long they watch, what they like or don't like. The Learning Guild has um, has typically done a video creator report every four years or so. And ours is coming out on the 15th. Jonathan Halls wrote it. Uh, if you know that name, I believe we use him in my report for you. Uh, and it is more about what creators are doing, what tools they're using, what kind of length they look at, what is driving their decisions, uh, why they make particular decisions. So it's sort of the other side of the coin from this study. So it's the creator point of view or the people who are making informational or instructional videos. These are not necessarily marketing. Most of our audience are people like instructional designers. But before we go, I, I do think there's one kind of overall theme from the TechSmith report I wanted to mention, if I may beg everyone's indulgence. Yeah. We saw throughout the data um, that people were saying they, they are looking for things for their own use, that they're looking for things to help them get better with their job, that they're willing to watch things of any, of any particular length if they feel that they're getting what they need and they're getting... Um, help with a topic that interests them and that that they're willing to do a lot to get those things for themselves and that once they find what they want they just leave the video they're not bored with it they're not unhappy with it it doesn't have a thing to do with the presentation or the level of humor or the quality of audio they just they get what they need I do think we need to pay a lot more attention to what users want and to how we can create more content that that lets the users drive like that because you're going to anyway you know, right. So figuring out how we can make things more personal for them, more relatable for them. Um, if that means more shorter bits, I think that's great. But keep in mind that that I, I really do think it's significant when people said they stopped watching. It wasn't because of a negative necessarily. It's because they just got what they needed. So what is it they need and how can we satisfy that? I think is uh, something that to strive for. 
So there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Jane, thank you again. Uh, before we wrap up, we have something here for anyone that's new to the Visual Lounge. We always end on something we call the speed round questions, and we're going to go into that right now. Okay, Jane, as a reminder, the, the, the speed round questions, quick, fast, snappy answers to uh, questions that may or may not have to do anything with what we just talked about. So the you actually brought up... You, you no. brought up actually about learning uh, uh, lots of ukulele songs. So what is your favorite song to play on the ukulele? My favorite song to play on the ukulele is um, Tonight You Belong to Me. I also like to play um, 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 the uh, theme song from the Munsters that people don't know has words. Oh, nice, nice. And do you play Stairway to Heaven on your ukulele? I have been known to play it on my ukulele. The joke about Stairway to Heaven is that I was giving uh, my my... The, my entree into trainerhood was that when I was a kid, I was taking a lot of music lessons and I started teaching the basic music lessons in exchange for advanced music lessons for myself. And literally every single person who wanted to learn to play the guitar, all they really wanted was to learn the intro to Stairway to Heaven and the intro to Sweet Home Alabama. I could have made a whole career out of those two things. And so it's been my joke forever that, that, and there's a million, a million YouTube videos on how to play the intro to Stairway to Heaven, seriously, on any instrument up to the uh, xylophone, probably. Perfect. Perfect. So next question, what's a piece of learning research that has had a significant impact on your view of the training, learning, and development world? There is a piece from a good while back from Marilyn Schammer who writes about trainer, I mean, about learner ability to learn. And it's based on their perceptions of what learning is. For instance, someone who thinks learning is hard and hard fought and hard won is going to have a harder time than someone who believes that learning is an acquired network, getting pieces of your brain working together to understand things. Their attitude toward the learning, their beliefs about learning um, really affect their learning outcomes. And um, I have that saved. She, it's long gone. I mean, she's retired and stuff. But I have it as a shared Google Doc. I think I had permission to do that. If anybody needs it, I've got the link somewhere. Okay. Awesome. Uh, so just two more questions. Next one. Where do you turn for inspiration? You do lots of research. You do lots of things in your life. What's your kind of source? Twitter. I like I like Twitter. I like I like to go to Twitter and see what L&D. I follow a lot of the L&D people. Um, there are a good many people who talk about research, Clark Quinn, Will Tallheimer, Patty Shank. I try to do it. Daniel Willingham tries to do it. People often will run into an article. Julie Dirksen uh, does it. And I try to keep up with what they're reading and talking about. I often find that inspiring. Awesome. Okay. Last question. It's often considered the hardest question. What's a question you'd like to ask me? I would like to ask you... Um, well, I would probably want a TechSmith or a TechSmith question. Let me think. Um, you know, what we we get all sorts. I've had people ask me about my beard, where it went. We've had all sorts of questions for me. So, I, actually, I do have a question. What's your family's favorite board game this season? You know, I'm going to be very honest. We haven't been playing a lot of board games. Uh, the dynamic in the house changed with two leaving the house, uh, and so. But we have right. a game that favorite we want overall. to play. Right. Favorite overall, then favorite overall board game. Uh, Harry Potter, uh, it's a like cooperative game that you play. I can't remember the name of it, uh, but you basically play the character from Harry Potter trying to defeat all the bad guys. That one's got a lot of play as well as, um, uh, Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders is one of the best games ever. If no one's ever played it, it is fantastic. You can have, it's nice because it can be like three people up to seven people, which is so makes it good for a group. It's super easy. It's three rounds with cards and you're kind of building a, Civilization, that one's really great. And I also say it gets a lot of play, not in a while, but Dominion, which is also a card kind of builder, deck builder game. But Seven Wonders is one of the best games ever. And go check out like boardgamegeeks.com. They'll tell you that's true. <laughs> I will. My favorite, my own favorite is Ticket to Ride in any, mm -hmm. in any flavor it comes in. But I will say the reason I asked this today, I, I know that I know that you're aware that years ago I was asking what in the world am I going to get my, my teenage nephew for Christmas? I don't really, you know, and somebody came back with, oh, there's this 
great liquid soap. It looks like a blood bag at a bank and it's red. It was great. It was just what he was. Perfect. So we started the gift guide that year. It's a Google doc that evolves every year and it has categories for things like in-laws, older people, other people's kids, you know, that kind of thing. And it is live today and it's open to editing by the whole world. So if anyone would like to get a look at that, people ask me for it every year. It's like, Jane, where's the gift guide? I will go add seven wonders to it right now because I don't think that's on there. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds okay. like fun. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go stalk you on Twitter to, to make sure we can find the gift. Get, back, back, I'll go, I'll go put it up right now. Perfect. Okay. Well, Jane, thank you once again for joining us just to wrap up things here today. Everybody, we're glad for everybody tuning in. Hopefully you got a lot out of this. Make sure you download the research study viewer, uh, the 2021 viewer video habits or viewer video study. Uh, lots of great information in there we didn't talk about, but we're happy to keep conversing with you and, and whatever you're doing, whether you're making videos, you're making images, we hope that you take a little time to level up every single day. And we will be back next week with another show. We'll be talking about the new Snagit 2021. See you then.